It's time for Midday here on the Rural Radio Network on a Friday, and I am your substitute teacher, uh, Mr. Foster. Luckily, we have uh, our core teachers here today, and uh, they are they are doing it. See, you guys are making me nervous. Everybody's looking at the clock now. I'm well, scared. Well, the clock we usually look out behind you mm-hmm. was slow, was oh. so we wondered if you were... I nailed it, man. Yeah, we were worried about you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We weren't doubting you. We were just, Joe and I were giving one another looks like. Well, when you're here at Mission Control and you're looking out and you see worried faces, it's like, yeah. We should have sold that better. You really should have. (laughs) Yeah, really. I would have been under the desk in the fetal position there. Well, anyway, we Uh, have our. We'll do that later this afternoon. Yes, we will. (laughs) We have our cast of characters Joe Gangwish, Bob Brogan, and Jason Jorgensen here. And Joe, I believe you have drawn the short straw. Go for it. That's right. I'll I'll start and. We'll talk about ag news, of course, at 1213. More fallout coming from ag groups concerning the withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accord. Also, one farm state senator working toward improving the Agriculture Risk Coverage, or ARC, program. We'll tell you who that is. And we've got a farm program workshop. That is coming up this month in Grand Island. That's coming up in our ag news. At 1219, we get our traditional Friday visit with Al Dutcher. Nebraska Extension Climatologist Shaley will visit with him about this week's weather outlook and see if we can get any more precipitation or dryness for those. Still some people trying to finish up replant on both corn and beans and, and some other uh, field activities, of course. We'll talk weather at 12:19. Susan will uh, visit with Chase Adams from the American Sheep Industry. He's our newsmaker today. This is kind of an interesting story. It sounds like the U.S. Navy is going to phase out the pea coat. That's that long wool coat for the dress uniforms. Really? Not going to have those anymore, and that's going to impact the wool industry. So huh. she'll have that story for us at 1245. She's back, of course, Fridays in the Field, our second installment of that. You know, that's where we follow some growers throughout the growing season. We call it Fridays in the Field. And she will visit with Dan Potter of Rising City. That is her grower for today. They will talk about how his soybeans are doing so far. So that will be at 117. I still think you guys this summer should chip in, throw some bales, lay some pipe, rogue some beans. Maybe, yep, maybe uh, work some cattle. Yep. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Shrine Bowl coming up this weekend. That's right. Happens tomorrow in Kearney, 59th annual game. We'll hear from the coaches about the big matchup tomorrow as the North takes on the South. Also, it's a big day in college baseball. NCAA tournament gets underway. Nebraska, they've, uh, I guess you could say, drawn the short straw being in the regional with the number one national seed, although Coach Darren Erstad has an interesting philosophy on how they will uh, how do you that? feel about it? I mean, do you, are they swooning at this point, or do you think they can turn it around? You'd like to think they could beat Yale today and then see what happens tomorrow night. Okay. But if you don't get past Yale today, doesn't matter. It makes for a probably a pretty short weekend. Uh, Holy Cross is the other team in that particular uh, regional, so we'll see with the Huskers later on today. Okay, very good. Bob, what do we got for uh, business for us today? U.S. employers added 138,000 jobs in May, and that was fewer than expected. Uh, so kind of the market is playing off that a little bit today, but everything is up right now. Also, uh, kind of an interesting story here, uh, a hotel in Lincoln is going to start a new honey farm on its roof. And I don't know whether they're going to change the name of the hotel, but right now it's the uh, Marriott, and uh, maybe they'll change it to the uh, Honey Hotel. 
they could, but I, I, I don't think they will. I don't think they will. We'll All right, gentlemen. Hole. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's, uh, let's send it over to Dewey. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. Well, is it going to be an exciting close to the week in these and commodities? Let's talk with Mike Zuzlo of Global Commodity Analytics. What's your thought on today's markets? Well, we do have a brand new dynamic uh, in this market today, Dewey, that I don't think the trade, and I certainly was not expecting, and that is a hotter, drier forecast for the month of June. The maps for the 30- and 60-day models uh, versus last week have completely flip-flopped, a complete reversal, especially in the western Corn Belt, and that would include Nebraska. You're talking about 2 to 4 degrees above average instead of about 2 degrees below average in the prior model run. So in the midst of preparing for next Friday's USDA supply and demand report, we have what potentially could be a weather market on our hands as we go through next week as well. I think it's playing an important role in today's markets, especially soybeans. I think it is too. I think you've got a situation where the soybean export sales were 66% above the four-week average, coming in at 22 million bushels. You've got the dollar now trading in the June index down at the election, the post-election for President Trump at that low at this point, and we've erased all of the gains in the dollar since that election victory by President Trump. And you've also got a crude oil market that was down about 3.5% at one time during the overnight trade, now only down about 1% and has made some new daily highs. So. These are all beneficial for the beans, that there's just no question about it. And the big number I'm talking to clients about right now is 925 and a quarter in July futures. That is where we closed last week. If we could close positive today, they're bringing up a point you talked about uh, earlier this week. Being a new month, I think that would be a very important uh, technical indicator. Let's go back to weather. In other parts of the world, is that becoming a factor to the traders' minds? I think it's beginning to be because you do have some European issues. You have some issues in Ukraine and Russia. France came out with their updated condition report for their wheat crop. We're down at 66% good to excellent. That's down a point from last week, and that compares to about 78% last year. So there are weather issues, and not to mention Spain, which I think has completely been overlooked at this point. We're talking with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. Let's... Uh touch a little bit on December corn contract. Where's the magic number, or is there one? Yeah, I think 396 continues to be the magic number, because that would take you above last week's high of around 395, and this week's high of about 394 and three quarters, Dewey. So if you want a true break above this trading range band, I think you need a 396 close above. In cattle, we had those limit-up moves yesterday. Uh, it's an opportunity, I'm sure, for traders to take profits then. Yeah, I think you have that opportunity present, but I would look for it faster in the hogs. You have weekly chart resistance in the hogs right now. You've got the carcass at almost $92, highest since December 14, and you've got pretty poor export sales, down 15% on the four-week average for pork versus up 15% for the beef. So I think cattle's still the leader to the upside here. Thanks, uh, Mike. We'll talk with him again, of course, on Monday. For more information... Go to globalanalytics.biz. We've been talking with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Live weather. Couldn't find the button there, Paul. It took me a second.
Well, you know, it looks like it was amazing how humid it was last night. I was walking at about 1030 and it was humid. And now it looks like maybe there might be some thunderstorms working. Yeah, uh, chances for some thunderstorms later today across the panhandle right near front. But yeah, temperatures warming up quite a bit right now. And yeah, that dew point anytime it starts getting close to 60 or 65. And right now the dew point in a lot of locations in central Nebraska Right around that 60-degree mark, that's when you do start to feel the humidity, and it's going to uh, kick in a little bit for today. We'll probably see some drier air for tomorrow, thanks to a front moving through. But we could see some thunderstorms later today. A quick note that if you are going to the Shrine Bowl in Kearney tomorrow, just a slight chance of a thunderstorm, about 20 to 30% during the game, and temperatures will be warming to the low 80s, a light north wind and some partly cloudy skies. So not too bad of a day. It's right. just going to be a little bit warm for those players up around 80 for those temperatures. I, I remember, <laughs> I think it was two or two years. First year it was in Kearney, it was cold. Yep. I remember that. Yeah, we found some extremes with that game for sure. You just never know what you can get in late June and late May into early June. But today we are underneath the ridge of high pressure in advance of a front to our west, and temperatures will be on the warm side with those steady south winds. Thunderstorms possible right near that front in western Nebraska and Kansas late today. Now, some of these storms later on today could produce some heavy rain that leads to some flash flooding over northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. The latest forecast models now predicting those western storms will weaken and decrease in coverage as they move towards central Nebraska and Kansas for tonight. Earlier, we were anticipating those thunderstorms holding together with a better chance of moving into central sections, but now the expected forecast is that they will weaken and decrease in coverage as they move into central Nebraska and Kansas for tonight. Thunderstorm chances linger for the day tomorrow. They are mainly possible tomorrow east of a line from Broken Bow to Imperial. High pressure quickly building behind that front for clearing out the skies and drying out the conditions for the rest of the weekend on into Monday. The bulk of the weekend should be pretty good for any weekend plans. The next chance of thunderstorms starts to arrive with the front as we head towards Tuesday. In our long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas forecast to be near normal to warmer than normal Wednesday through June 15th. And for reference, in central Nebraska during that time, <clears throat> excuse me, central Nebraska daytime highs usually average in the low 80s with overnight lows in the upper 50s. Once again, expected to be near normal to a little bit warmer than normal Wednesday through June 15th. The precipitation forecast expects near normal precipitation Wednesday through the 15th in Nebraska and Kansas. There is a chance of it being wetter than normal over the western half of Kansas in the mid to late part of next week. Weather factors driving the market trade today include a continued light precipitation trend for the Midwest through next week and unfavorable rain in the Southern Plains wheat harvest areas. Western regions of the country of the U.S. expected to continue to experience warm weather the next five days. Cool weather should persist across the northeast. Just some light rain is forecast across the Midwest this next week. That will help to improve their conditions for late planting and crop development. Only four Midwestern states of Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, and Wisconsin up to this point have planted at least five-sixths of their intended corn acreage. They're expecting another round of moderate to heavy rain for portions of the Southern Plains this weekend, and that includes Oklahoma, where harvest is just beginning. There are some concerns for likely harvest disruptions and quality loss, and there are reports the recently completed harvest in Texas was disappointing. Across the Northern Plains, very warm to hot conditions are forecast this week, where dryness is becoming more of a concern in the Northern Plains. The drought forecast for this month shows drought developing or persisting more so towards the Dakotas and eastern Montana.
Well, busy time of year. Lots of things. Lots of things pop up quickly. Yep, sure. uh, exactly. Yeah, these thunderstorms pop up, and of course, a lot of events this weekend. So, uh, just keep an eye to the sky, and we'll keep you informed here. All right, very good for weather anytime. Go to the Weather Tap krvn.com. The mid the midday ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. Our gains have moderated in the past couple of hours in the grains, but are still holding on the upside, thanks to active commercial buying in all three contracts. Now, the July Minneapolis wheat contract is up 10 and 3 quarters, continuing to push into new highs with motivation from the hot, windy weather in the Dakotas. July corn trading 373, September 381, both up two and a half, December 391 and a half, up two and a quarter. July soybeans 921 and a quarter, up nine. August 923 and three quarters, up eight and a half. September 923 and a quarter, up eight. November 924 and a half, up six and three quarters. July Chicago wheat 430 and three quarters, up one and three quarters. September 444 and three quarters, up one and a quarter. Kansas City, July, 433, up two and a quarter. September, 451 and a quarter, up two. Still on the upside in these front months of cattle futures, June live cattle, 13060, up 317. August, 12592, up 122. October, 12132, up 17. But December's down 12 at 12160. August feeder cattle, 15847, up 140. September, 15780, up 147. October, 15550, up 85. But November's down 12 at 15215. And January is down 30 at 14522. June lean hogs, 8130, up 37. July, 8240, up 27. August, 8190, down 10. October, 6882, down 5. Wall Street. A record territory. The the uh, Dow up 55 at 21,200. Nasdaq up 46 at 6,293. S and P 500 up six at 2,435. Give the gift of Nebraska pride with a unique item from the Nebraska 150 Celebrations online store at www.ne150.org/shop. Choose from a variety of memorabilia featuring the state's beloved motto, The Good Life, and the official Nebraska 150 seal, including an etched brass ornament, limited edition hand-painted ceramic cookie jar, custom pens by Retro 51, solid pewter and leather key tags, apparel, and so much more. There's even a Billy the Buffalo plush toy for the kids. More items are being added to the online store almost daily. Find the perfect gift for the impossible to buy for a person on your list and purchase your keepsakes to hand down to future generations. Give the gift of Nebraska pride at www.ne150.org slash shop. That's ne150.org slash shop. Sponsored by Nebraska Sesquicentennial Commission, aired with Nebraska Broadcasters Association and this station. Let's get an update of Ag News. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. Mayors along the Mississippi River say President Donald Trump's decision to pull out of a worldwide climate agreement could severely damage U.S. ag exports. The Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative says in a news release today that nations remaining in the Paris Agreement will impose carbon pricing through taxes or trading systems without any say from the U.S. The group says the 10-state corridor moves about one 
$164.6 billion a year in ag products, including 55 to 70 percent of all exported corn, soybeans, and wheat. It says the U.S. has a trade surplus in those commodities. Chris Coleman is the mayor of St. Paul, Minnesota. He says the Mississippi River Basin allows our nation to lead the global commodities market. He says now we have ceded that status to other nations. Meanwhile, ag shippers and other waterway users struggling to talk to the Trump administration out of using river tolls to pay for rebuilding locks and dams under its infrastructure initiative. Representatives of the Waterways Council, which represents shippers and waterway operators, have met twice with administration officials, first in December and then in May, to push an industry proposal to fund 24 projects at a cost of $8.7 billion over 10 years. The projects include the reconstruction of seven locks and dams on the upper Mississippi and Illinois rivers at a cost of $2.8 billion. The White House so far is moving ahead with the idea of funding its infrastructure program through a combination of private investment and government funding. Waterway users who already pay a federal barge tax for waterway projects have long resisted the use of tolls to fund capital costs. Farm programs will be the topic of discussion at an upcoming workshop that'll be held in Grand Island. Let's get more on that from Shaley Peters. Everything from the FSA's Livestock Indemnity Program to the beginning of farmer tax credit will be covered by this workshop hosted by the Rural Response Hotline of Nebraska. Michelle Soul, project manager with the hotline, said they've had several requests for this kind of information. An array of services, we're starting to see a lot of demand um, in your guys' area regarding some of the farm service agency programs, going to go over loan programs. It just offers a lot of, of a, a lot of topics. Sowell says it's not just for producers. Open to the public. It's open to farmers and ranchers. We are offering um, continual legal education credits for it for attorneys. Um, they get two free credits um, for attending this workshop, and it's just it just seems that we need to put the awareness of these programs out within the state. The workshop runs from 10 to noon, June 6th, at the Hall County Extension. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. Senator John Thune of South Dakota has introduced legislation intended to improve the Agriculture Risk Coverage Program in an attempt to fix the county disparity issue present in ARC. Senator Thune is proposing that all ARC county payments be calculated using the payment rate for the county in which the land is physically located. Now, currently, ARC participants with farms in multiple counties may choose to receive the payment rate for the county in which the land is physically located or the payment rate of administrative county. Senator Thune's proposal would also require a mandatory base reallocation determined by planted and considered planted acres on a farm for the years from 2014 to 2017. Past efforts to force a mandatory base update have been rejected as an assault on the planting flexibility that was first created under the 96 Farm Bill. And a lawsuit by Beef Products Incorporated alleging defamation by ABC TV. That'll head to trial next week. BPI is seeking $1.9 billion in the lawsuit against ABC on their signature product, Lean Finely Textured Beef. More on that story at RuralRadio.com. I'm Joe Gangwish. It's time again this week to visit with Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. And Al, looking back on this week, some great weather to kind of get those crops out of their wet funk, get them growing a little bit. Can we expect that headed into this weekend and next week, or what are we looking at? Well, I think we're going to see a kind of a 
A mixed bag. There, there is some uncertainty, at least for this next 24 to 36 hour period, as we have a cold front that will slide through the state. Um, it looks like the best opportunity for precipitation, at least for today, would be in the panhandle, maybe as far eastward as Ogallala region, uh, as we see the afternoon thunderstorm develop, and then that carry over during the day tomorrow morning into the midday, but it shows that system weakening as it crosses the state. So I think the best opportunity for more than a half an inch of moisture will be in the western half of the state with much lesser totals as we go east. Now, as we go into Sunday, it appears that that will all pass to our east. We're really going to see from today to tomorrow in terms of temperatures about a 5 to 7 degree differential, meaning cooling down a little bit, and then we bump up a little bit more back on Sunday as high pressure starts to build back into the region and that system that passes to the east of some response to an upper air low moving along the Canadian border will start to intensify once again over the Great Lakes and sharpen that ridge so that it looks like now instead of us seeing the chance of uh, scattered showers in the Monday-Tuesday time frame. I think we're probably going to be looking at Wednesday before we see the opportunity for another weak trough to move across the region and ge- develop thunderstorm activity. But that's going to continue to reinforce that troughing pattern over the eastern United States. So cool conditions will remain in place, particularly uh, from about Illinois eastward and northward, meaning temperatures are not going to be in the 80s like they hear out here in the western Corn Belt. They're going to be more into the lower to mid 70 degree range we'll be looking at below normal temperatures for them in that that period so they're not getting the warmth that we've seen return here in the western corn belt but as we get into the end of next week things get a little bit more interesting yesterday's model runs were bringing in a fairly strong upper air low into the pacific northwest today's model runs continue that trend but they're digging it much deeper down the western coast So the timing differences of this upper air low is really what is going to make the forecast a little bit more interesting for next weekend. Basically what we're thinking, or at least I'm thinking, is that we were probably going to enter the first half of the weekend in fairly good shape dry-wise, and then we'll turn our attention to increasing chances of moisture as we get in the late part of the weekend and the earlier part of the following week. And then if if the models hold sway as from yesterday, we would go into a very stormy period if they hold sway with what we're seeing this morning, more of the scattered convection activity. The one thing that we've been lacking so far this year in terms of moisture has been seeing our dew points riding back up into the 60s, providing that instability in the atmosphere. Even with these warm temperatures, we've had very few days of dew points pushing into the 60s. Once we get to that pattern and the corn gets up another probably another foot to a foot and a half tall, we're going to start putting a lot of that low-level moisture in the atmosphere, cutting the create some more stickier conditions, and that will provide the energy necessary for thunderstorm development. So I kind of see us going into this pattern where we'll have these dry stretches, but when we do get the inclement weather, we're probably going to be dealing with fairly significant moisture. All right. Thanks, Al. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher giving us a heads up on what we can expect weather-wise headed into this weekend and next week. For the short time, anyway, looks like some nicer weather is continuing on into the beginning of next week. For more, you can always visit RuralRadio.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, Nebraska's road to Omaha starts today on the West Coast as the Huskers open up the NCAA tournament against Yale in the Corvallis Regional. Oregon State, the top overall seed in the tournament, is the host school of this regional. Head coach Darren Erstad talks about the challenge that lies ahead. You know, you got two choices. You can either cry and complain and whine about 
having to go to the number one seed, or you can work the problem and figure out a plan to win the regional. But we've got all our crying and complaining out of the way, so now we're in the the uh, you know the, the mode of figuring out how we're going to win this regional and. Uh, you know, we're going to go up there with every intention of winning that regional. I don't care who we're playing. Erstad made his comments this week on the Husker Sports Network. Today, Nebraska opens up against Yale at 3 o'clock Central Time. The annual Nebraska Shrine Bowl football game is set for tomorrow in Kearney at UNK. Boone Central head coach Mark Hudson is a head coach of the North Squad, and he talks about how he went about selecting his team. We really wanted to put a lot of time into this game on the front end, so uh, we, we watched... Uh, a lot and a lot and a lot of film. We saw every kid several times, and then we had to decide how they fit what we want to do. And that you know, there's a lot of good players out there that didn't get selected, and some that has to do with uh, their fit and what we wanted to do. Former Husker Matt Turman of Omaha Scud is a head coach of the South. He played in this game back in 1992, and he says it's a special week he will never forget. You know, I, I actually have some guys that I played with in the Shrine Bowl in 1992 that I still talk to quite a bit. They're actually going to have like a little reunion out in Kearney, and a bunch of them are coming out there to the game. I think the biggest thing is, is I still remember today. I mean, I know we, when we were there, we flew up to Minnesota, but I remember the, the trip and, and seeing that the game was more than just a game, that there, there was something uh, bigger than football that we were actually playing for. And that stuck with me, and, and it's uh, hit me today again. Kickoff tomorrow set for shortly after 2 Central Time at UNK. That game will be carried along the Rural Radio Network. And former Penn State President Graham Spanier and two other former school administrators are to be sentenced today on charges of child endangerment in connection with the Jerry Sandusky child sex abuse case. Prosecutors are seeking jail time for Spanier. They say state sentencing guidelines call for up to a year in prison. His lawyers are pushing for probation. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Partly cloudy skies with a chance of thunderstorms tonight. Lows in the low 60s in the east and central to the 50s in the west. I'm Dave Schroeder. The Nebraska Retail Federation will name three 2017 Nebraska Retail Champions, one from each of Nebraska's three congressional districts. Federation President Jim Otto describes the criteria. Well, the only real criteria is be a a retailer, a brick-and-mortar retailer in Nebraska. That's the only thing that you must be and then from there it goes to how much did you do for the community how did you give back to the community are you involved in different things it isn't necessarily how much profit do you make it is how key is your business and how key are you to your community this year's nominees include white river feed of shadron circle c market of cody and cr toys of carney the hotel in Lincoln has started a new honey farm on its roof. The Lincoln Journal-Star reports that beekeepers Warren Nelson and his son Trey carried four bee-filled hives last week to the roof of the Lincoln Marriott Cornhusker Hotel, where they'll multiply until the hotel is home to about 240,000 honey-producing bees. About 40,000 of the bees originally arrived to the Nebraska in April from California after the hotel contacted Vahala Bee Farm, which Warren Nelson operates. Nelson says he took care of the bees at his home for a few weeks until they multiplied to nearly 100,000. The hotel hopes to soon harvest up to 600 pounds annually. It'll sell some in their gift shop. It'll sell some in the gift shop, and its chef is already preparing to incorporate it in its menu. 
A truck driver has been given 90 days in jail for colliding with a motorcycle in western Douglas County as he was talking on a hands-free wireless device. Court records say Michael Green was sentenced Thursday. The accident occurred on August 11th of last year. Authorities say 18-year-old Madeline Fitzpatrick was a passenger on the motorcycle when it collided with the Green semi-trailer at an intersection. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Get your news fast and first when you like our Facebook page in the KRVN News Center. I'm Dave Schroeder. We all get budget cuts, but when a budget cut doesn't make sense, that's when the concern arises. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And the point to that statement is the American Sheep Industry Association is concerned that the military, specifically the U.S. Navy, is cutting funding for their peacoats. Peacoats that are designed and made with American wool. Chase Adams with the American Sheep Industry Association talked to me about the decision that they made to spend time on the hill. Susan, that's been our concern. Officially, the U.S. Navy has used the peacoat since uh, 1913, but of course the wool peacoat and the military tradition, the naval tradition, go oh, clear back to pre-colonial times and, uh, and, and even before. So... Uh, the wool peacoat has been an iconic part of the U.S. Navy and a very valuable part uh, for U.S. wool producers as well. You know, a tremendous amount of U.S. wool uh, goes into the mill. Twenty-five percent of the wool that we produce here in this country uh, goes, to, uh, uh, goes to the military in the form of uh, the uh, dress uniforms or blankets or, uh, you know, various other, uh, other textiles. So this is a, a very valuable market for uh, for U.S. wool producers, it's also uh, a very important part of, of our supply chain. So our concern has been that the Navy has overlooked both the tactical advantages of wool, uh, that being that wool is a is naturally anti-static, it's naturally flame-resistant, water-resistant, and it's, you know, for, for uh, uh, military-type purposes, uh, wool is also quiet. So when you're on the ship and, and you're, you're moving about, uh, wool doesn't uh, uh, doesn't create a noise, doesn't create uh, any kind of an alarm. So uh, we're concerned that the Navy has overlooked those tactical advantages of wool and then also the economic impact uh, that removing uh, the peacoat would have. So the peacoat is just one small part of the of the entire U.S. wool clip that's going to the military. This is this is one part of it, but it's still a very integral part of that entire system. So. Uh, when you remove or propose to remove something like this wool peacoat, uh, you're you know you're not only affecting the uh, uh, the cut and sew company that's producing this peacoat, and in this case it's uh, Sterling Ware in Boston. Uh, you're produ- you're uh, impacting their fabric supplier, and you're impacting our uh, our entire wool industry, and and even our growers here on the ground, whether they're in uh, uh, Nebraska or Utah or the Dakotas. Uh, uh, those folks are also. Uh, you know, uh, feeling that pinch. So we think the Navy made uh, uh, made kind of a quick reaction here and was looking in, in kind of tunnel vision and wasn't uh, uh, really looking at the at the whole picture. And only and not only from our economic impact, but uh, the wool peacoat has also proven to be a very uh, economically uh, sound investment. And so uh, what they're looking or placing it with would cost more. And that's uh, you know all of these things combined. Uh, really kind of put this whole issue into perspective. Well, and you spent a lot of time on the Hill meeting with folks. What was the reception as you met with congressmen and senators and tried to explain to them your guys' thoughts on this whole process? Absolutely, Susan. As you say, you know, this impacts growers, 
all the way through to the very final manufacturer of this jacket. So we had the opportunity to uh, be very broad-based in our approach to, uh, uh, to Congress and work with a bipartisan group of senators and representatives uh, from the Midwest all the way through to the New England states. And uh, the reception has been uh, has been very very positive this last uh, this last week. We've been working this, of course, for uh, well ever since we heard about this. But uh, things move slow in Washington D.C., so we've got to just continue to keep the pressure on and continue to uh, make sure that those folks are hearing from us about the economic benefits to the Navy and the bottom line. Right now, that's very important, and the you know the buy American. I mean, this is American fiber all the way through to American production. And uh, right now, that's, uh, uh, that's an apple cart that no one wants to upset for good reason. And uh, so we're, we had really good reception. I'm very pleased with, uh, uh, with the arguments that uh, uh, we were able to put forward and uh, the reception so far. So we're going to continue to uh, uh, keep that pressure on. What is something the sheep producer could do? Absolutely. For sheep producers, you know, there's a lot of things that we need to be focused on right now. Uh, this is just one of them, but Senator Ernst is on Senate Armed Services Committee, and so uh, call into uh, into her office, letting her know that this is one of the many issues would be would be very important. You know, I'd also be remiss though if I didn't remind folks that uh, we've got the appropriations process going forward. Wildlife services and predator management are huge for all of our sheep producers nationwide, as is uh, the upcoming farm bill negotiations. So. Uh, I think uh, as you make those asks, as you stress the importance of uh, of all of these things, uh, just to kind of lay them out for your senator and say, you know, as a sheep producer, as a wool producer, however you however you see yourself, um, you know, here are some issues that are top of mind for me. We need predator control and predator management. We need a farm bill that gives us a safety net, and we need to make sure that uh, uh, that the Navy and the Armed Services aren't making decisions in a in, aren't making decisions in a vacuum. Uh, that are going to impact our, our entire uh, uh, supply chain. Comments coming from Chase Adams with the American Sheep Industry Association. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we look at these grain markets today. And with us, Craig Turner of Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Craig, what's your take on, well, let's start with soybeans since we had a rally. Have we reached support levels here and maybe a bottom? We know it certainly looks like that, especially for the short term. You know, we did have a nice little bounce today. And the export sales, which came out Friday, uh, usually comes out Thursday, but we have Monday was a holiday, were better than expected. You take a look at, you know, November or July, hitting, though, you know, in between that 9, 10, and 20 area, it comes in support on the charts, and we've had a nice little rally. Uh, another thing is, you know, we're expecting to see some pretty big uh, shorts uh, from the funds and the commitment of traders when the CFTC releases that. You know, any kind of bullish news or bullish momentum we can get uh, would also help fuel a rally, a short-covering rally. So we're getting pretty optimistic in beans, and, you know, we haven't been optimistic in bean prices for a couple of months now, so hopefully this can start something good. As we move over to corn, it's pretty rock-steady, just like it's been in these trading ranges for the last, what, seven months or so. It really is amazing, and if you look at a daily chart and just draw, you know, the uh, the trend lines, 
from, you know, back to last summer, we are coming into a very, very tight range. And it usually, technically, that means there's going to be a breakout at some point. You know, if this protein story in the wheat uh, causes wheat to go higher, we get short covering in beans and continue to see export demand in beans, it could leak into corn also. And if corn has any issues, you know, we could set up, especially coming into critical weather here in June, you know, on a rally. So, you know, just from a technical perspective, that wedge that's forming is, is very interesting. It's been going on for most of the year. And we're seeing weather play an important factor, especially up north in spring wheat country. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's dry up there. If you look at July spring wheat, it's a great chart to take a look at. You can see what happens when you make a basically a new high close for the year. It's an old saying, you know, bull markets make new high closes. We had that yesterday, and spring wheat really popped up. I uh, tested 590. You know, conditions up there aren't getting any better. So, and there is a uh, tight supply. You know, in some of that protein wheat. But protein in wheat overall has been an issue. So uh, the Minneapolis, we can certainly keep on charging higher. If it does, you know, we're looking for resistance uh, just above $6. Thanks, Craig. Craig Turner, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. You can go to danielsagmarketing.com. As we finished, one and three quarters to two and a half higher in Kansas City wheat and three quarters to two and three quarters higher in Minneapolis. Chicago is fractionally mixed. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Our Friday in the Field finds us just northwest of Rising City, Nebraska. That's south of Columbus at the farm owned by Dan and Ken Potter. Dan and I talked about the interesting spring they've had with the rains, the cooler temperatures, and then some crusting fields. Yeah, we we got small windows, and when you had that window, you just went hard until... 12, 2 o'clock in the morning just to get the crop in. Well, talk about soybeans. Uh, obviously, that's where we're standing right now. How are the fields looking so far for you? Right now, we had one uh, one field that was crusting. But besides that, they're in the first coming, the first trifoliate is coming out. And the beans actually look like a pretty good stand. We've got counts anywhere from 120 to 160,000. We're standing in a no-till field right now. You like that versus conventional fields for soybeans? Uh, to my brother... Uh, disc is a four-letter word, so yes. Uh, we really like the way that it's held the, the soil, especially in the in the wind and the water that we get in Nebraska. How has been the corn looking so far for you? It's been a little bit, uh, a little bit behind. The cool, damp weather has kind of delayed and maybe given us a little bit more uh, damage from herbicide intolerance and that. But overall, we've got pretty good stands, a few washouts, a few spots in the low ground that... Uh, which isn't bad in a, in a decent year that uh, we're glad to have those. And uh, otherwise, overall, the corn, I would say, is good to excellent. It's been a, definitely a wet and cooler spring. Because of the wetness and, and the saturated ground, are you hoping to keep pivots off for a little bit longer this year? Well, believe it or not, we could use a rain. Uh, we, a nice half inch or an inch would be wonderful right now. Uh, we're okay. The, the beans and the corn, they'll root down. But... A little shot of rain gives the roots a shot to to really reach down in there and and capture that moisture that we've got down below. We've had some growers tell me that there's some concerns insect-wise this year because it wasn't as cold of a winter as they would like to have seen. Are you guys having any issues? We had a little bit of of grub problem early, but so far so good. Uh, We have had a little bit of dampening off, but in a very low single digits as far as percentage-wise. So actually, we're in pretty good shape insect-wise. How many acres? Do you guys run this year? About a thousand. 
look forward to a great growing season, a little, little rain, a little sun, and believe it or not, a little humidity. So, no, I'm good. My conversation with Butler County grower Dan Potter. Dan farms along with his brother Ken. Along with two of Dan's children, they are just northwest of Rising City. He said he was hoping, like you heard, to keep those irrigation pivots from having to run with a good half inch of rain. He said definitely would be welcome. You can see the video as well. That'll be posted later through our website. Speaking of the weather, earlier on, they talked to the 10-day forecast offering hopes of some drier, more crop-friendly weather for the eastern Midwest. There's still showers expected around the Great Lakes the next seven days, but the future they say is starting to look more summer-like for most of the Corn Belt drought is not this year's problems now USDA's drought monitor did show some increased areas of abnormal dryness that is coming out of North and South Dakota at this time and they said that they're gonna keep a close eye on Brazil's second corn harvest has begun but it is still a while before those supplies are ready to hit the export market and there's just a slight chance of any sort of precipitation to be hitting the potter's fields over the next couple of days. Actually, one of the weather forecasts only had it about 25% of seeing any moisture on Saturday. The next opportunity moves in on Sunday. We encourage you to continue to follow our Fridays in the fields. It's going to happen every Friday from now through the harvest season. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon, Dewey Nelson with a market report on the Rural Radio Network. Shortly before the close, we're seeing higher grain prices led by the soybeans. July corn, 373, September 381, December 391 and three quarters, and next March 401 and a half, all up two and a half. July soybeans, 922 and three quarters, up ten and a half. August 925 and a quarter, up ten. September 925, up nine and three quarters. November 927, up nine and a quarter. Chicago July wheat, 431 and a quarter, up two and a quarter. September 445 and a quarter, up one and three quarters. December 466 and three quarters, up three quarters. Kansas City July contract, 434 and three quarters, up four. September 452 and three quarters, up three and a half. December 477 and a half, up three. While we settled mixed in live cattle, feeder cattle remained higher. Lean hogs were also mixed today. June live cattle at 130.82 was up 340. August 126.05, up 135. But October was down five and settled 121.10. December at 121.47 was down 25. August feeder cattle 158.72 up 165. September 157.82 up 150. October 155.70 up 105. November 152.65 up 37. January 145.85 up 32. June lean hogs 81.22 up 30. But July was down 15 at 81.97. August down 30 at 81.70. Wall Street this hour. The Dow is up 73 at 21,218, NASDAQ up 53 at 6,300, and the S&P 500 up 8 at 2,438.
I'm Terry Haney, director of the Nebraska LEAD program. For 36 years, we have been developing the problem solvers, decision makers, and spokespersons for the agriculture industry. Applications are now being accepted for the Nebraska LEAD Group 37, which will begin in the fall of 2017. If you're involved in production agriculture or agribusiness and want to play a leadership role in the future of agriculture, we invite you to check out the Nebraska LEAD program. For more information, call 402-472-6810 or check us out at lead.unl.edu. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our help with your water, your air, your food. You're going to need our determination, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. Back on the Rural Radio Network, as we continue to see a little bit of volatility in these cattle futures, tell us more about it. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Yes, sir. Well, interesting. Uh, pretty good uh, follow-through uh, in the cattle for the last couple of days. But it was really confined to the uh, first two months in the live cattle, and particularly in the uh, June, as uh, cash has been firm and... Uh, we've been such a discount, we're just closing the gap. Uh, and it, that's probably going to continue. Uh, as long as cash stays strong, then I look for uh, at least the June contract. And to some degree, the August contract stay with it. Now, there's a lot of bull spreading today. It's noted by the uh, sharply higher front end and lower back end. And that uh, particularly true in the live cattle. It was also present in the feeder cattle, whereas the front end did much better than the, uh, the back end. So uh, bull spreading in the, uh, in the uh, whole cattle complex today. Now over in the hogs, uh, yeah, something fairly similar. June hogs a little higher than the uh, July and August and October, a little bit lower. So some more bull spreading uh, over in the uh, hogs both being supported by uh, firm cash, and that uh, will continue. Cutouts uh, a little bit lower on the cattle choice today, but nothing uh, major, and a little bit higher on the pork. So uh, things look uh, like they're uh, ready to just continue on as they have been uh, throughout the week. So heading into next Monday, I would uh, look for somewhat of a continuation. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Dewey Nelson reporting. 